Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and we are ready to talk with people about how they make meaning and find purpose. Today, I am talking with Natasha Gwines, who is founder and president of the Her Resiliency Center, a nonprofit social service organization that provides support to vulnerable young women between the ages of 18 and 25. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, Natasha. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to talk with you. I've been reading up on you and hearing about all of your accomplishments. And there's so much I'd like to talk with you about today. But I'd love to begin by just sharing with our listeners what the Her Resiliency Center is. So can you tell me a little bit about it and what inspired you to create this organization? Absolutely. Her Resiliency Center is, like you mentioned, an organization that supports vulnerable young women. Uh, We like to think of ourselves more of a community of women supporting women than the IRS 501c3, you know, social service status that we have. Sure. Because it's really about uplifting and providing the supportive resources that the women we serve need. Uh Um, Many of the women we serve have experienced, you know, various kinds of trauma, um, homelessness, drug use, sexual exploitation, young motherhood, and the, the, we don't have a requirement for them getting to us except that they want and need our support. Okay. And the reason for that is the, my own life experiences where I kept falling further through the cracks, you know, growing up with plenty of trauma in my own childhood and then uh, working in sex work uh, and then using drugs and alcohol as a way to cope with that and then homeless. Um, before someone would say, before someone said to me, now you're in a place where you need help. And mm-hmm. uh, fortunately, that came in the in the form of a 12-step recovery program for me 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I've just tried to take what I've learned in that program and develop it into a community where we support each other unconditionally We so, and we share our stories to help um, elevate each other out of whatever situation we're in and also focus on positive things in our lives so that if someone is down, they can say, well, she did it. I can do it too. And yeah. we can learn from one another. It's such an inspiring story. And there's so much to unpack in what you just said. I have, I have many questions about all of that. Um, you guys are based in DC. Is that right? Washington, DC? We are based in D.C. right now. We're um, working to possibly expand to other cities, but right now we are based in D.C., yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I know um, I'd love to sort of go back to a little bit of what you said. I know that you've shared widely um, details about your own journey and how you had a rough road early in life, which is really brave of you to, to dare to share those details and those stories to uplift others and, and really show that they're not alone. I mean, all of us go through traumas and trials. And um, only by sharing them do we really find a way out of it. You know, don't you agree? Absolutely. You know, it's through sharing our experiences that we're able to break down those feelings of shame and isolation and realize that 
we're not alone in this and that we can, you know, either someone else has gone through it and learning how they got through it or just knowing that you have support and um, and that you don't have to continue going through whatever um, you may be enduring at that time. And really, it, it's all about ending and breaking down the barriers of shame and isolation. Yeah. And how do you how do you do that? How do you take people, you know, step by step? through this process of letting go of whatever the past had in it and, you know, starting with today. I mean, wh- where do you begin with that? I think it's so important. I mean, when the young women come to her resiliency center, we don't, it's not for us to define for them what they've experienced. Right. It's about what they're ready to identify, but also what they're, what they're, actually capable of identifying with at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not just about them. That's about humanity. You know, we build these narratives in our head about what happened to protect ourselves. And, and so we start with where they are. And I think that's the biggest piece that uh, makes us, one of the biggest pieces anyway, that makes us successful in working with the young women we serve is helping, you know, not saying where they should be or what they should be doing, but, you know, starting with where they, where they are in their lives and on their journey and, and about, you know, helping them identify what their goals are, not what our goals are, because my goals for someone may be completely different than what they see their next steps to be. Yeah. And I think it's just allowing that young woman uh, to be on her own journey. And I frequently say that, um, you know, we just happen, me and my team just happen to have a little bit more experience in life than the young women we serve. And we are lucky to get to be a part of their lives and serve as guides to kind of direct, but really they're in charge of their own journey. For sure. You know, and it is amazing the discrepancy or the um, the disconnect between people who start life and, and are on a path with unconditional support um, and how lifted up they are and they don't even realize compared uh-huh. with other people who just didn't have the good fortune to be born into that type of a scenario. And so it's like you're from the start, you're overcoming things that you didn't even ask for, you know. Um, but to bring everybody to that same level of starting and seeing possibility um, is, you know, and it's really just about, it's really just about possibilities, seeing the possibilities and identifying that every single individual is worthy of carving out that path for them, for themselves. You know, I mean, it's, it's about giving them permission to rewrite the story, really, you know? Absolutely. I, one of the things that her, that we like to do or that we do is, um, connect strategically connect the women we serve with mentors and for me that was so important in 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 my journey through sobriety and again I'm just taking what I've learned in sobriety and built it into this this community and um and and that you know because not everybody that comes to her needs a 12-step program but we all need the support and um and so um but for me like in the 12 step program, there were so many people, there are so many people from so many various walks of lives that like I was exposed to so many different opportunities and, um, and, and connecting with the right people. And that's just, that's not even the part about helping me stay sober. That was just the byproduct of, you know, connecting with the fellowship of people who provided me that exposure. But I got to tell you without those different elements of exposure, I would not be where I am today. And 
So we let, and, and, and as a result, I'm grateful and I'm trying to help other young women have that same experience. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's truly remarkable what you're doing. And, you know, what you're talking about is really um, seeing that you can learn from every person you interact with or come across. And I can imagine, you know, you're right about a 12-step program. It's, it's everybody from everywhere um, who might have different experiences or connections and just having a conversation with someone and realizing you can learn from them and they can learn from you is Absolutely. a profound starting point um, that both people benefit from. It's not just, you know, a young woman who's in a vulnerable situation because she can also lift up others and teach others. Um, even she may not realize it, but she really can, you know? Absolutely. You know, I get so much and, you know, I'm in a very different place than they are, uh, but I get so much from getting to be a part of their lives and, uh-huh. you know, I'm frequently told or the comments are made that I so selfless or not, you know, <laughs> and I really have no idea how much I get out of this. And, and while I, you know, uh, a lot of sacrifices along the way have been made to get her resiliency center to the place it sure. is now, sure. um, I, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. And I get a lot from getting to be of service. And I get a lot from getting to be a part of the lives of the young women we serve. That's amazing. That's really wonderful. So I want to go back a little step. And um, I know you worked in congressional offices before you created this organization. So tell me a little bit about that. You know, who did you work with? And what was some of the what were some of the causes or the the um, paths that you carved out when you were working with congressional folks? You know, um, one of one of the exposures that I that I was kind of alluding to earlier is that uh, in in the twelve step program, I met somebody who helped me get my first job on Capitol Hill. Oh wow! And yes, and I mean, I had to get the interview myself, and then they were able to help me, you know, uh, with the next steps. And I am so grateful for that. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, my first job on, in the Senate was in Harry Reid's office, okay. the former majority leader. Senator wow. Harry and, um, and I had no idea how, what I just lucked into. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was a big deal and I knew, you know, since I was a kid, I wanted to work in politics, but I had no idea how much that was going to, um, you know, help me develop the rest of my career. Hmm. And, um, how so? so, how did it do that? Um, I, I was mentored through, uh, Senator Reed's office, you okay. know, the, uh, his step, his former deputy chief of staff didn't even, now I talked to him and I'm like, this is the impact you had in my life. And I never <laughs> went to him and said, you did, you know, this was how I saw you, but that is how I connected to him. And okay. he, you know, he helped me, you know, uh, move along in the office and, um, but also moving to the next office and, you know, and progressing my career on the Hill after that. And, you sure. know, I, I, when I got to Capitol Hill, I wanted to do policy. I was going to do lead. This is all I wanted to do. Uh-huh. And, and my first job was actually answering phones for the Senator, which was <laughs> a great, you know, great entry level position. Uh-huh. And, and then, you know, and then I was like, I, I need to do something different. And I wanted to go do policy. And I sat down with someone and they're like, Natasha, you're really good at operations. You're really good at logistics. You know, let's, you know, maybe consider this different avenue. And I was like, no policy, but you know what? (laughs) I am so fortunate that I, that I had that time to assess my strengths because, you know, by the time I left the Hill and I was, um, um, working for a different senator um, by this time, but like I was managing multi-million dollar budgets. I was managing, 
you know, a staff of 40 something individuals, you know, like I was running the logistics and the backbone of the United States Senate office. Mm. And, and it's, you know, and it's because one, I kept my, you know, um, my options open and I was open to hearing, you know, input from other people, but I was also, you know, just because I found good people around me that I could learn from and that, and, and I was willing to show my level of hard work and effort and, and they, and and as a result, I progressed. Hmm. That's really wonderful. Well, so it sounds like keeping options open, um, being open to possibilities, you know, um, building mentorship relationships, wherever you turn, those are some of those lessons that you took away that you put into her resiliency center, um, to sort of pay it forward to everybody who comes in contact with you guys. Absolutely. And, you know, mentorship and exposure cannot, you know, I can't speak enough to it because it's about those opportunities that um, everybody's had a mentor. And, you know, like um, like think about President Obama. Yeah, I'm sure he had mentors along the way, (laughs) you know, And, and, and exposure to opportunities that allowed him to, you know, lay out his foundation and, and plan for, you know, becoming president. And, you sure. know, and I just think everybody should have that chance. And yeah. when we deny, you know, um, youth or other, you know, because just writing them off going, they're never going to change or they're right. going to get in trouble for their, I mean, it's, no, we have the opportunity <laughs> to make, help them make that change in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Okay, her resiliency center. How many people are on your team, and you know how many young women come through your doors on a regular basis? We have nine uh, mm-hmm. team members. Okay, and um, last year we served about three hundred and fifty young women. Wow. Um, yes, we have a some of the imp- contact has to do with our street outreach team. Okay, so we have a street outreach team that goes out. Um, between 1 p.m. and 4 a.m., okay. depending on the time of day, or, you know, day of, well, I guess not time of day, but day of week, um, time of year, sure. where the police department say they may see um, high need in certain areas, and we respond. We don't, now I should definitely say we don't go out with the police department, but they will call us and say, mm-hmm. we see a high level of activity over here. Can you go check it out? Oh. And and so our street outreach team will respond and, you know, we cover um, the city on foot at my street outreach uh, director. She, you know, she lays out the map and tells the team where they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they can cover, you know, five miles in a night. Wow. Uh, so, you know, if it's a heavier, you know, time of, you know, more activity that kind of slows down how far they go, but cause it's more about reaching the young women and covering ground, Yeah. but, but they, you know, they do cover the ground and I'm very proud of them because, um, we are literally catching, you know, young women and youth in general. Um, cause we, when we're on the street, we, we were looking for males and females on the street, but, okay. um, who are literally falling through the cracks. Um, hmm. We don't have a drop-in center where they can just come and hang out. We go, oh, homeless youth accounted for. You know, we are <laughs> talking to um, we're talking to older individuals who often serve as gatekeepers okay. to to the to the youth that we meet on the street to say, you know, we have to earn their trust sometimes, and then sure. they'll say, okay. We have a report. There are two, you know, there are two young women in the alley down the street, and then we'll go. Okay, thanks for the heads up. And so, it's our approach 
is not just to, you know, target or, you know, zoom in on a, on a youth or a young woman. It's about really talking to everyone anyway. So, cause you, so that you aren't targeting, but also you never know who the gatekeepers are. And it's really It's about being strategic to uh, be able to reach as many um, youth and young women as possible. Um, But, you know, we, last year was great in terms of the growth we had and uh, the amount of young women we were able to reach in in various ways. We also do workshops in the community Mm -hmm. where they'll come and, you know, the skill development workshop of some sort. And Mm -hmm. it's been really rewarding to see her grow. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Do you have some youth that you've worked with who now are paying it forward and mentoring others? Have you gotten to that point? We have. Um, well, we, we have, we've hired some of the young women we serve, oh, well, lovely. Um, which has been amazing yeah. um, for our street outreach team. So that has been remarkable to watch. Um, we've also, we have the more in advocate roles right now, uh-huh. the women that worked with us for a long time, not necessarily yet in the mentorship roles, though that is something I'm hoping to be able to, to develop by the end of this year is mm-hmm. getting the young women who've been with us for the three years since we've been open mm-hmm. uh, to start mentoring, you know, the next group of young women coming through. Yeah. And those webs of connection are just growing and expanding like, you know, ripples in a pool. It's just, it's just lovely. Absolutely. So, so tell me um, when you wake up in the morning and you're going to work and you realize you've built all this and you look back on your journey, you know, what's the one thing that stands out for you? What do you most proud of or or excited about most proud of or excited (laughs) um you know i i'm excited the same reason i'm pausing is not it's like i'm which i'm like which one (laughs) tell me all they're all good (laughs) you know i i'm proud that i have been able to use those uh, i'm Yes, I am proud. I'm proud to be, you know, at one point in my life, my story was my biggest, like, I lived in so much fear and shame of getting caught when I worked on Capitol Hill and getting fired and, Mm -hmm. and, and just hoping no one would know. And now I get, now I get to go and not only do I use it to help, you know, raise awareness for her resiliency center, but I get to use it to connect with the women we serve. Yeah. And that is, you know, the most I see impact from it. I see, um, I see their eyes light up when they hear what I have to say. And then they look at me because I don't necessarily look like the person in the story that I'm describing. Sure. And, 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 and that gives them hope. And, and it, but you know what, it, it continues to give me hope mm-hmm. and that, you know, I was in a meeting last night and, and, and so that, you know, I was, I said, I made a comment about how, when I talk to the young women or when I talk to anybody really, and even myself, sometimes when things are hard, I have to remind myself and them that, you know, this is going to be hard, but it's doable. Sure. sure. And that is what, we're, you know, I, I do not um, tell the women, the young women of her, when they get to us, like, we're going to do X, Y, and Z for you. It's going to be amazing. I mean, <laughs> we are very honest. 
but it's going to be a journey and yeah. it's, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be doable. Yeah. I love that. That's a great message. So um, as we wrap up today, I wanted to ask you um, what advice you have for our listeners. You know, we, people could be listening to this from all different starting points and um, you know, what advice would you have for them about finding their purpose um, and really turning that into the meaning that drives their life? Yeah. Um, I think it's about going inward. Um, so many people I know, and even for myself for years, didn't really want to look inward to find purpose. I was scared of what I was going to find when I turned inward. Uh-huh. But, you know, I did that. And I think that is where I've been able to find my happiness and learning what I wanted to do next was through looking inside sure. what I, what I what I, what I was passionate about, I've always been passionate about women's issues, uh-huh. uh, wanting to help women, you know, not realizing how much help I had needed for so long. <laughs> but, you know, um, but being able to look inward and say, what what can I contribute? What do I want to contribute? What is my bandwidth? And, and knowing that um, it doesn't have to be of conventional standards. I sure. think, you know, we confine ourselves so much to what is acceptable socially that it's like, oh, that's not going to work. And right. uh, I, you know, I used to run on the treadmill and I have to say, I hate running. Oh, me and too. For so many, <laughs> and for yeah. so many years I ran because I thought that was the only way I was going to get, uh, you know, acceptable exercise. <laughs> and I just learned, that's not true. Right. And, uh, and this is much the same. You know, we, you know, it's about, if you come up with something that's outside the box, run with it because our world probably needs it. I love it. I love it. So as we wind down, can you share with our listeners how they might either get involved with or support her resiliency center? Should they go to your website or how can people get involved? Absolutely. Our website um, is her resiliency center.org. There mm-hmm. is a, um, there's a tab on there to connect with us and it goes to our info at her resiliency center.org email okay. address. Great. Or they can just go to that email address. Perfect. Well, Natasha Gwines, thank you so much for being with me today on the make meaning podcast. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the make meaning podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. You can find the Make Meaning Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.